that you're often going to be learning a lot and solving new problems. And I think a good move, something that I would always recommend, again, especially if you want to be entrepreneurial, is when you solve a problem once, you want to figure out how to make that solvable over and over again. There's one piece of advice that I can share with uh, with you guys about picking out good clients. Um, you want to find people that are solid and that feel like they're going somewhere. They're like, they're going to win and you want to help them win more. From the millenniummarketplace.com, this is the Wi-Fi Work Ethic Podcast, hosted by me, Haley Alicia. I believe that if you have a strong Wi-Fi connection and an even stronger work ethic, you can make big things happen no matter where you come from or who you know. This show shares the stories of online entrepreneurs and influencers and also dives into business trends and news with the occasional pep talk thrown in. Find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and at themillennialmarketplace.com. All right, let's get started. Welcome to episode number 36 of the Wi-Fi Work Ethic Podcast, and I am wishing every one of you a very happy Thanksgiving. I know the holidays can be very stressful, but also super fun, and we're inching towards a new year, which is so exciting, and in December, we will actually hit the one-year birthday of this podcast. How crazy is that? So, today I have an interview, which I'm so excited to share with you. I talked with Kyle Gray, and you'll actually hear in this episode the story of how we got introduced to each other and how we met, and it's actually a little um, funny how we got into each other's circles, I guess. Um, I'm going to introduce Kyle, and we're going to jump right into the interview, I would suggest having a pen and paper handy. He gives so much practical and useful advice and kind of, uh, I don't want to say secrets, but kind yeah, kind of like secrets that maybe you wouldn't know just by Googling things. So it's going to be really useful if you're someone who is in the beginning stages wanting to get into remote work or freelance work and eventually entrepreneurship. There's so many amazing things in this episode. I can't wait for you to hear them all. But first, let me introduce Kyle to you. Kyle Gray is an entrepreneur and best-selling author who helps startups and small businesses grow with storytelling and content marketing. He has helped hundreds of startups and small businesses create scalable content marketing strategies. His book, The Story Engine, outlines this process for making content marketing and brand storytelling easy and effective. Kyle has worked with many well-known brands and businesses like Ad Espresso, Advance Your Reach, WP Curve, and Self Publishing School. All right, without further ado, to do, ado. Without further ado, that's how it goes. Without further ado, here is my interview with Kyle Gray. Okay, so let's start with who you are and what you do. Okay, so my name is Kyle Gray, and I help people craft compelling and powerful stories that connect with their audience and show their audience their unique value. Awesome. And I put that together in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different ways, whether it's teaching somebody how to 
um, have a webinar or create content for their brand or just uh, even just talk about themselves in certain contexts. Awesome. And before we get into how you do that, I love to ask everyone, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were little? Because I love asking people this question because sometimes it gives such amazing insight to where people are. And sometimes it's so random. So what did you want to be when you grew up? So um, there is a very particular um, time in my life where I wanted to be something uh, very much that I think has really influenced um, who I am today and why I do what I do. Um, so when I was uh, in my late teens, early 20s, um, I was playing in a lot of rock bands or just I was playing in a rock band. I was playing uh, um, a lot of music with friends. I, I loved guitar and I loved singing and I loved writing music and I was certain that the only way I was going to live a happy and fulfilled life was by being a musician. And I was also like, I'm kind of a very, I don't know, hipster type where if I think that everybody thinks something's cool, then like, I'm like, no, I need something different. And so I have these big ideas of like, I'm going to create these different melodies and these lyrics that will make people think it's going to be so awesome. Anyway, (laughs) um, after a long time, I started putting a lot of uh, pressure on myself to uh, to always create songs. I would pick up my guitar and I'd be like, I'm going to have to write a hit song right now. And then I'd like try and strum it and the strings would break and like whip up at me like little scorpion stingers. <laughs> um, and so I put that down for a while. But uh, um, one, one cool thing that has happened um, that I'll talk about um, a little bit later in some of the work or how I do the work that I do, but by writing and being creative and creating kind of emotional experiences and uh, educational experiences with storytelling these days um, and speaking on stages and speaking on podcasts and, uh, and teaching and kind of performing in front of people uh, taps into a lot of what I loved about being a musician, the creativity and even like arranging words to create an emotional and provocative response. It's like the same there. You're trying to do the same thing as a musician if you are maybe a good copywriter or marketer. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's one of the really kind of influential wanted to be for me. Awesome. Yeah, that definitely does tie in like on its face, like you wouldn't maybe think so. But when you broke it down like that, it makes a lot of sense that you're able to like, fulfill that craving you have for those things. But rather than music, it's through what you're doing now. So that's really cool. Yeah, I still try to play guitar every once in a while. I haven't, uh, (laughs) I'm not in the habit as much anymore. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's still fun to do. Yeah, there's that fine line between like, um, everyone's goal is like, oh, make your passion your job, make your hobby your job. But I think there is a fine line because sometimes when you love something like so much, like you said, like you put so much pressure on yourself to make it amazing every time that you ended up not liking it. And now you can probably like go to your music in a much like happier, better space. I don't know. That's just my observation usually with people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a lot there's a lot of uh, truth to that. Um, I think it is dangerous when you. Um, I think some of it is something you need to understand when you sign up for it because, like, 
Um, you know, some of it, like being a professional in what you do is very different than just loving, having a passion for what you do. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, sometimes you're going to, if you, you know, you're doing what you love, there's times where you're going to hate it and it's going to test you. And then you, it's going to really make you prove that you love it. And so, um, yeah, it's not always like the thing, that, it's definitely not the thing that you expect when you sign up or want to choose or when you're dreaming about, you know, whether it's being a rock star or a, or a digital nomad, uh, laptop, uh, world travel surfer, you know, gotcha. um, there's, there's ups and downs with everything. Of course. Okay. That was a great segue. Cause now I do want to talk about that digital nomad life because you, um, work in coffee shops all over the world. If I'm remembering you telling me correctly. So let's dive into that. How, how do you, how does someone get there and what does it actually look like practically? Yeah. Um, so how does somebody get there? I'll, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got there and I think it will shine the, shine the light on for a lot of different people. So, um, I really wanted to, uh, um, I, I started hearing about this actually from a podcast. I listened to this podcast called the tropical MBA and they were telling stories, all these different business owners, um, building businesses while traveling and working abroad and, kind of their struggles and what they're learning and all of these things. And I was just obsessed with it. I listened to it for so long, probably just like dreaming about it, but just kind of like sitting there and thinking and being like, Oh, wouldn't that be cool? I'm waiting for my, my perfect business idea. And like nothing happened for like two years. And then I started um, like trying little things. Like I heard an interview that these guys did um, and they, they talked about people who built websites, that attracted search traffic. Um, and if people would click on the ads, they'd make a couple of cents and they just had a process for building lots of these. So I started trying to build that. And so I built like five or six uh, WordPress sites like plaidpants.org. Love um, the name. Glutenfreecrackers.net. <laughs> and basically uh, they would like, people would, I would just set them up. I would hire some people to write a couple of articles for me and I'd set these these websites up, you know, in about five or six hours a piece. And then they would hopefully start to rank in search engines and get little clicks. And so they were just absurd, absurd things. But I learned how to build websites. And then uh, I, uh, I started to move on and I kind of like, now that I knew websites, I kind of knew what I liked and I started learning different ways of marketing. And uh, there was, this one called conversion rate optimization, which um, seemed really cool to me. It was like, you look at how something's designed and how it, um, and how people would respond to that online. And then you try and like change it to see um, maybe, you know, if you were on a, a website that sold um, all kinds of outdoor gear, you know, if it's just about to be winter, you know, and one person lands on the page and sees a big bike and another person lands and sees skis, they're probably going to want the skis. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I started learning about this and I started uh, just getting little clients here and there, just showing up at different events um, where people were being entrepreneurial and just talking about what I did and what was interesting and started building little relationships. And I actually... Um, 
I was actually teaching a class at the University of Utah um, the, uh, one summer when I was building up a lot of these skills. And I had a class of 20 students with me. Um, it was called The Foundry. And I started a podcast. And I didn't really, like, publish the episode. I, like, put them on. It was just a, uh, I can't even remember what it was called, like a Google Hangout. It was a Google Hangout. And I would just, like, publish those live. And I would talk to interesting entrepreneurs and say, hey, I've got a class of 20 students that I, I want to uh, share this with. And so I ended up getting introduced to this startup founder named Dan Norris um, on my, like, sixth or seventh interview. And uh, we got along really well. We, we got a little bit nerdy on conversion rate optimization, but <laughs> he was telling this story about uh, content marketing and how he built a startup using content marketing. And he would uh, write helpful articles that attracted people to his website, and that created enough attention so that he could sell a product and a service. And I was so in like enthralled with his story and we got along really well. I kept in touch with him after the podcast and a couple of months had passed by and he mentioned he was looking for somebody to help him with his startup. And I like dropped everything I was doing and typed so fast. Oh my gosh. Like, I want to do this. I want to help you. Uh, he was like, I need somebody to help me with content marketing. And I said, that's me. I'm all about it. Let's do it. And so, um, at this point, I knew he was going to a conference. It was called the DCBKK Conference, Dynamite Circle, Bangkok, um, which is an event put on by the hosts of the Tropical MBA, that podcast I was listening to. Ooh, full um, because circle he was in moment. kind of that, that same circle. And I told him, hey, I'm planning on going to Southeast Asia. I had like uh, $6,000 or something saved up and I was just going to go across the ocean and live in Chiang Mai and figure out conversion rate optimization things. Yeah, and like build a business or I would, you know, just mm-hmm. run out of money and go home. I guess. Whatever happened first. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever happened. And two days before I get on the plane, oh, and I had a ticket to this conference and in like, in, in the application for this job, he was like, send me a video. And I was like, I've got tickets to this thing. I'm coming to see you. I'm going to meet you in person. Like, I'm going to be in Bangkok. I, and he was in Australia and he was going to the same thing. It's like, I'll see you there. And so two days before I got on the plane and left for Southeast Asia, I was hired to work for this startup. Wow. Um, and we met at this conference and we, we had an amazing, uh, experience and I'll I'll talk about kind of um my experience in the startup a little bit later but to bring it back to your question about like how do you remote jobs um one of the best ways to do it is uh there's lots of different um there's lots of different ways uh one of the easiest ways is just to look on something like Upwork or um Fiverr and just see what people are paying for because you'd be surprised. Like, uh, you can you can build in a skill or like remote work around a surprising amount of skill set. There's people who make who make their living doing tarot card readings on Fiverr. You know, you can do anything you want. Um, but there's a couple of like marketable skills that would make you really useful 
um, in, in a startup. And being able to help out with marketing is always a really useful one. Being able to help manage projects and keep things organized is always really good. Um, there's lots of different areas and skill sets that you can build, and you should gravitate towards the ones that really interest you and your personality and and um, type. But uh, but there there really is something for kind of every kind of person if you can figure out how to make it work remotely, and then start to look for usually remote companies. Um, there, there are some large companies that allow you to work remote, but I think a lot of times uh, smaller companies are a little more flexible and a little more open to it, and younger companies with a little bit of a different culture. Um, but uh, so you can you can find things from uh, startups that are hiring and working remote, and it's interesting to like yeah. look at different uh, skill sets they're looking for. But basically, if you've got a, a good fundamental skill set that um, you know, you can be applied online, marketing, project management, just good writing skills. You know, if you can just write well and and listen to instructions well and learn learn quickly, then you can make yourself useful um, in a lot of different places. Awesome. So I yeah. have never done um, content marketing aside from writing a few blog posts. And I, I mean, I, I finished... Uh, I got a master's degree at the University of Utah, so I wrote a ton of papers. But let me tell you that writing a great article for a startup blog that's read by thousands of like startup founders and graded by Twitter is way harder than writing like a, an academic. I mean, for the most part, uh, there's there's some people out there that are writing very difficult academic papers. But, right, of course. Um, but for the most part, like a writing a paper name. that gets read by a professor once. Um, is yeah, a totally different ball game, and so I was in way over my head, and I had to learn fast, and I had to adapt. Um, and I think that that's that's one of the the most important skills um, when being able to work remote because you've got to be able to adapt to things really quickly, and uh, you've got to be able to solve problems um, sometimes like totally on your own or with minimal support from others. So there's a lot of times where you're just kind of messing around with tech and things, you know, there's all kinds of problems going wrong and you've got to just kind of uh, solve your way through them and being kind of tenacious um, with that is going to, is going to help you um, learn and grow quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And so my, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, that's why I think that for someone who's just like getting the itch for entrepreneurship or just really wanting to like take more control over their life and their work and have more freedom, that working virtually or remotely is a great place to start when you have that itch, but you like don't know what to do because like you're saying it, it's going to help build those, those entrepreneurial, like that backbone in you so that when you do have yeah. a business idea, you are already used to how you need to think and how you need to work because it is so different than going into an office every day and having that structure that even though you'll still be technically working for someone else, it's so different and it's going to help like create that ability to adapt, like you're saying, and to just work in a specific way that I think is going to like build that muscle for entrepreneurship that when that idea comes to you, you are just ready and you can handle it. So I'm loving everything you're saying. Absolutely. Right now. 
And the, I think another important thing is like, um, usually I would recommend, especially if, you know, I think if you're young and you're just starting out and you want to break into entrepreneurship, um, you want to work in a smaller company where you actually like can make a difference. Like what you choose to do uh, um, at the end of the day and how what, much effort you put in and, you know, how much like it's a tr- your results are truly measured in like a smaller company. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. I think um, there's, it, there's this feeling and I've experienced it myself um, working in larger organizations where you can give like 20% effort or something and it's not going to, uh, you know, it's okay. Like it just, it's the, the gears will keep turning on the big machine. But, Mm -hmm. um, if you're working in an office or with a product or with a team, you know, that's small. And even if you're working remote, you know, the people on the team and you care about them and they're like individuals to you. Um, it's going to make a big difference and, you know, it'll change how you think about your work. It doesn't, you don't want it to be. Um, for the most part, I, w- I would say, especially if you want to transition into entrepreneurship, um, if yeah. you just want to have like a nice, flexible, remote job and work wherever, then maybe it's a job you don't want to care about too much. But I think it's, it's something that, you know, you want to be able to, to resonate with the ultimate vision or with the culture of the team. You know, it doesn't always have to be like uh, a world changing NGO or like, you know, a really beautiful idea but sometimes it's just like hey we're a team and we all really care about um you know having a good work-life balance and so we've set up our company this way and there's really great companies like that mm-hmm. um but they're gonna also require you to like you know you just want to be able to care and like put in the best of you and want to grow and learn more i think one of the important things about remote jobs or taking kind of an apprentice role, which is what I did. I just kind of like was working underneath an entrepreneur and just trying to like be his apprentice and figure out what to do to make this blog work by like absorbing the knowledge feedback from him and making it work. But um, with, with work like that, you're often going to be learning a lot and solving new problems. And I think a good move, something that I would always recommend, again, especially if you want to be entrepreneurial, is when you solve a problem once, you want to figure out how to make that solvable over and over again. Um, so if you get really good at, um, you know, for me in WordPress, for example, or, or working in the startup WP Curve, which did WordPress, but uh, I would write a long blog post and then um, I could spend, you know, even 15, 20 or so minutes setting it up in WordPress, making sure it's formatted nice, making sure the images are nice. And that would take my time. Or if I got so good at it and created a good checklist for somebody to just upload this in WordPress for me and save me that extra 20 minutes, you know, if I, if I was publishing a couple of those every every week that would that could be hours you know mm-hmm. saved over over the course of a month or something mm-hmm. and so you always want to be able to start solving problems like that and growing and expanding your skill set and challenging yourself more 
Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, awesome. So that's how you kind of got into all that. So I kind of, we might have, be missing some parts here in the middle, but I do want to jump into what you're doing now. And, um, yeah, you've written books and you are just out there in the world helping other people do everything you just mentioned now. So how'd you get from yeah. point A, I guess we could say point A being, you know, connecting with that entrepreneur, going to that conference and making this happen um, with the working remotely yeah. to today. Okay. So yeah, working with that entrepreneur and working at WP Curve. I spent about a year working for that startup, a little more than a year, and I lived in Southeast Asia, mostly Thailand, Chiang Mai, and an island called Koh Phangan for about a year. Um, I helped that startup grow to about seven figures in annual recurring revenue, and um, there was a lot of brilliant people that were, were pushing the needles in that business, too. And shortly after I left, they sold to GoDaddy. Um, but one of the really good things that I had as a result of working for that startup is through creating a bunch of content, um, creating free and valuable and useful content. Um, I connected with a lot of people. One of the beautiful things, as you definitely know, Haley, um, as everybody listening should, uh, should, should see is that creating content helps create great relationships. Um, and it opens doors for you. It's a very low, easy, low cost way to build, make friends in with, with people who are doing whatever interests you. Yeah. Um, so another, like, that's one of the reasons I actually love creating content. It's why I have my own podcast for the people I meet. Yeah. Um, of course I love the audience too, but what gets me excited is like, who am I going to meet? Um, yeah, I mean, so, side note, side note for oh, everyone. I connected with Kyle because I heard him on someone else's podcast. This was months ago, and we've been trying to get this interview for a long time. So I'm happy we're talking now. But then, you know, we finally met IRL in real life, and it was amazing. And now we're talking here, and it's because of someone else's podcast. But it turns out we also have a mutual friend. So it's like you never know with these things, like what could come of it. and um, you know, I think people like think, I mean, it's good to like think things through and have a plan, but also I think it's good just to get things out there in the world and you never know what could come of it. So that was just a side note, but I For love sure. what you just said yeah. there. No, beautiful, beautiful side note. And yeah, <laughs> just like start creating your brand, start doing stuff. Even if all you have time to do is making a, making a podcast, you're making it work and you're, you're, you're becoming known. And I think uh, there's a lot of people that could uh, follow that example and, and do really well from it. Um, I think, uh, so, all right, coming back to that. So created a lot of content, made a lot of friends, and started um, freelancing. And I would just take kind of whatever kind of job I needed, like, would come my way at first. And um, it was, like... It was challenging and, you know, you like learn how to, how to pick out good clients. And if, if, uh, there's one piece of advice that I can share with, uh, with you guys about picking out good clients, um, you want to find people that are solid and that feel like they're going somewhere. They're like, they're going to win. 
and you want to help them win more. Ooh, um, you that. want to like raise to that level and help them grow more. You don't want to be the person that's like, that's like a, a defibrillator, which is like the, the heart, you know, in the ER rooms where they electrocute people to start your heart. Like that's, that's what a lot of people, especially when they, if you work in marketing at all, they see you and they're like, as soon as you get this jolt of energy into our business, it's going to work. You know, mm -hmm. that's a tough, tough spot. They're not going to pay you as much. And it's very difficult to be successful and they're going to be very mad when you're not, when you're not successful. So versus the win more clients are usually much easier going and uh, easier to work with. Yeah. That's a good, Strangely. that's a good distinction there um, between like, I guess your mindset going into it. Hey, can you quickly, just in case someone listening to this is really new to all this, can you quickly distinguish between working remotely for a company and freelancing? Just kind of explain the difference between Great that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Cause those, those can blend, but um, so working remotely would be like having a job. You're probably, you may be getting paid an hourly or a salary. Um, you're more likely doing it like that. And you're probably, um, yeah, on a team um, working for a company and you've got a specific job. Um, and you show up and you do that more or less that same job or you, you kind of grow in that role over time. Freelancing is usually like short gigs. So that's like somebody hiring you to write one article for them and then you're done. Or maybe you write one article a month um, and then you're done. Or, um, you know, maybe they hire you to do a website redesign or branding or a marketer. So I think of like marketing things um, as examples. But uh, there's lots of different. So you come in for a short time and then you leave or... Maybe you're working somewhat part time for them, but um, but usually, kind of the way that the way that it's agreed, um, you're working as a freelancer. And the as you as you start to mature, like kind of the the freelancer contractor versus uh, employee, you know that that line really starts to blur after a while. Um, mm. Because, for example, like culturally with WP Curve, oh man, actually, I don't know, this, this might get too advanced, but like <laughs> culturally at WP Curve, they were, I had a business set up and they were paying me as if I was a business providing services. They were just paying me like a monthly salary, mm -hmm. right? But so on paper, I was a business providing business to them. Yeah. Um, but and that's how it works with my assistant. Like I technically have a, I have a part-time um, assistant who she works for me 10 hours a week. Um, and it's freaking amazing, by the way. <laughs> so if you people just want to start out as assistants, like change, change people's lives. She, she helped me with uh, all kinds of different things um, from social media, design, managing email, managing uh, um, like customer support things or solving problems. Um, she edits my podcast, um, does a lot of different things and she's always learning very, uh, um, so she does really, really well, but, uh, I pay her like a business. Yeah. 
um, like I'm paying for a service. So I guess the, the good lesson in here is like, um, you, you may want to be set up as a business anyway and still providing a service because she, she's technically, um, or she is an entrepreneur. She runs her own business. She just has four, um, four people or three people other than me that she works with yeah. as an assistant and does, does great for herself. And it's somehow so genius at being able to switch between like four crazy people like me. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Good I just work. wanted to kind of show the, the, the differences between just working remotely and, and freelancing. So you mentioned a tiny bit already about once you do get into the freelance mode, clients. Yeah. What has your experience been like with that? And what advice could you give further on um, client work and getting clients, keeping clients, and all that fun stuff? Yeah. All really, really good questions, really good stuff. So one of the things I think um, – one of the most important lessons that you're going to learn over and over and over again is like set good expectations. Um, so you want to be you you when you're working with clients and you're you're working over you know a period of time. A couple of things that you want to make sure is you know like when the project's going to end for sure, or and that could either mean like when you've completed all the tasks or on a certain day it's going to be done because you don't want to like there's there's a lot of times where you'll be working on a project and um maybe uh, it wasn't clear like maybe the person you're working with was expecting that you'll be done when a certain result happens mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um but there's any number of reasons why the thing couldn't happen like I'll we're going to you you're going to work for me until this thing makes this much money and you're not in control of all those options. Right. Really. Yeah. So that's a little bit difficult. So we're like, we'll work until the end of November or we'll work until we build these things. Yeah. Um, so those are, that's a good thing. And then like, um, also like creating expectations of like, okay, I'm going to do these specific things, but I also need you as the, uh, the business to, um, be able to cooperate. Maybe that's sharing, you know, passwords and login information. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's like, um, I write a script for you, but you have to make the video. Um, maybe that's you, if I write an email for you, you need to send it out to your audience on time. And it's on you, really. Um, so there's, there's little things like that that you want to be like, okay, you're playing along too, because a lot of people think when they hire you, um, you know, that they can, they can just let you do your thing and you're going to know how to succeed and like have all the pieces together and they can just kind of go about their day and then, uh, you know, results are going to happen where it's usually, it's very rarely the case. You've got to like, you're choosing to work with somebody. And so they need to be ready usually to like invest, um, you know, in, in helping you succeed. Yeah. Um, and so you want to make that clear usually. You know, for social media, you might, if they just are be like, post social media for us, you know, and you're like, okay, like, who do you want to, who do you want to, yeah. do you like, do you like this picture or that picture, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so those are some of the things that I would say, 
um, about that. And um, uh, <clears throat> let's see. There's also, um, I've also started working in kind of other environments where I'm working as a contractor um, uh, and I come in on projects that are kind of on a monthly basis, like I'll help out with workshops these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this company puts on these workshops. They work hard to uh, build them all up, and they're workshops for people who want to get speaking gigs at events, at conferences, like the one that you were um, uh, helping out with recently. Yeah. And uh, they, they just want to be able to get their message in front of the audience that way. So they come for two days and they learn um, everything there is to know about uh, how to find the stages, how to find and control them, how to reach out to them, how to position yourself as somebody who would be a great speaker. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I fly out um, and I work and I help them. I help these people. Um, I work with them kind of one-on-one in the workshops and help them tell their story and present themselves in compelling ways. But uh, I just, I'm, I'm not a, a full-time member of this company, um, but uh, I am like close. I know the whole team and I come in and I see them and then, um, yeah, I, so I fly to Denver and I fly home after the two-day workshop. Awesome. And that's cool because I get paid, you know, a little bit every month um, from, from working in the workshop. My travel and my hotel is covered while I'm over there. And uh, I guess kind of tying this all together with uh, with kind of the idea or like how how somebody may may want to visualize kind of what remote remote life living in coffee shops in Thailand and Colombia or in Salt Lake City you know is kind of like um, these days is really so I have that gig and then I piece it together with I've got some clients that I work with on a short period like I was just describing. Um, and then I also have, you know, some more like hourly, maybe remote work for this, this company, um, gig and you kind of patch it together. And I also have like my own brand, my own book, a podcast. I have a course. Um, and I, I, uh, also do like promotions on my website to my list. Um, and those are all like a, a bunch of little trickles of different income but all become uh what is my lifestyle yes love it staying busy okay so you mentioned your book i want to talk about your books because it fascinates me that people have ideas in their head and they actually turn them into things for people to read it's just i don't know it's amazing to me that you could like have that many little pieces of information that add up to a whole book. So tell me about that process and what your book, two books, right? Am I right about that? I have two books. Two books. Okay. Yeah. So tell me everything. What, like what you, you have this idea, like I'm going to write a book. What, what do you do? The first step I do when I write a book is I do something called a mind map. And these are very, very simple things you like. Um, you just start uh, with a blank piece of paper. And I think I wrote the title or like a guess at the title of my book in the middle. And then I circled it. And then I put little bubbles next to the circle of like, what are the big ideas that I want to cover on this book? Um, 
one, my first book was called The College Entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, well, I'll tell you about the books in a sec. Um, so with each little bubble, each big idea, then I created smaller bubbles around it and like drew lines to connect all of these and was creating kind of this web, um, of different ideas. And so then I saw like, okay, I need to cover these six topics and I need to make, you know, for each of these topics, I have four or five different key points I need to make. And so I started mapping that out and I built the table of contents for my book essentially. And then I just started, um, a lot of the times, um, I, I already had a side effect of like making a living writing all the time if you have a lot of writing. Um, so you can like cobble them together into books, but there's lots of different ways to do it too. I just helped publish a book, um, for a client of mine and, uh, I used, I actually, um, this is, oh, and this is what I've become known for. I'm like jumping all over the place, but in my, in my second book called The Story Engine, um, <clears throat> it's all about how to get clear on your message um, of content creators to help you do it. And this book I just released um, for this doctor, I created a couple of scripts for her to speak about each day, and they were loosely formatted and allow her to have their teaching point. And so I, um, she spoke for about 30 minutes a day for seven days. Um, and I took all of those uh, videos. She made four or seven Facebook Live videos. I took the videos and then had them transcribed. And then I have a, I have a team of writers now that, that work with me. And I had these writers take the transcriptions and cut out um, a lot of the writing and pretty much make them like if there was a thousand words, cut it down to 500 and we actually turned it into a nice crisp book. That's so awesome. there's lots I of different that. ways that you can create a book. Yeah. I love um, that you mentioned what you did for her because I think that's important for people to, to realize that if you are already creating some sort of content, find as many ways to use that as possible. So if you already write blogs, just start reading them out loud and make that a podcast. And if you have enough blogs and make that a book, or if you make videos, vice versa, like move it all around. And I, I need to listen to my own advice. I need to be doing that more, but I think that's very valuable information that you might think like your first instinct is, Oh, I'm a writer. So that's what I'm good at. But you'll realize that once you have enough pieces of writing, you can turn that into audio or you can turn that into video or whatever. Or maybe you say, I'm just not good at writing, but I just, I love talking. I'm so good at talking. So then maybe you start with a video or a podcast and you have someone write it for you and boom, then you have writing. I think a lot of people put themselves in this little box of like, this is what I'm good at. But once you find that thing, you can like mix it up and put it in different boxes if that makes sense and and you don't have to just be one-dimensional you can make the these things go a lot further than like your first instinct so i love that you shared that example because i think a lot of people just keep themselves oh this is what i know how to do this is what i do well but you can push yourself so much further so i love that you said that sorry i had to jump in and add that (laughs) oh yeah no but that's so important and that's one cool thing like that's like I've been transitioning 
out of writing and like incorporating all of these skills into. Um, and it's been so important and so crucial. And you're, you're, uh, I think writing is a great foundation, but video is a great foundation too. Like if you can do great video, mm. um, you will, you'll change the world. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and being able to repurpose it, learning new ways or at least like, um, again, like what you were saying, I've been able to, I, I tried to like edit my own podcast for a while and it was like so painful and so rough. Um, and then I luckily had a person who loved doing that and was very skillful. And I know not everybody can afford to have somebody produce their podcast, but if you build the foundation on writing a little bit, I was, I made enough money writing that I could afford to pay somebody to edit podcast for me and then speaking wasn't so much of a problem and you you build on all the skills and you mix them together and it's unique you and do the do the ones that interest you and then if there's anything again like the the hallmark of a great entrepreneur is learning how to do way less of the thing valuable um or you know are valuable but you could do relatively more valuable things or that aren't fun and lift you up and then finding other people to help you do that. And fortunately, again, because of this gig economy that we've been talking about that you're benefiting from as a, as a service provider, you can also start paying people to work underneath you Mm -hmm. and you've, you've learned the ropes ascending, you know, this ladder that we've been exploring and you can start to build your business. And that's what's so amazing. Like when you can, you can start to build a team to do all these things that I've just been describing to you. Having somebody just work 10 hours for you can be very affordable and very nice or having very high skilled people that command a very high salary that would be very difficult for you to have as a team member, you can hire them to work for a couple of weeks for you or work on a very small specific project and you can apply their valuable skills to exactly where they need to be. And then you can say, see you. Thank you very much. You've done your job and send them on their way. And that's so by learning how to be a service provider, you how to, um, receive those services or even combine the skills of a couple of different, different, these different freelancers um, and then have them molded into something that's more control and you sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the, the possibilities are endless and, and uh, there's, there's way more value than just getting money out of this economy. Perfect. Okay. I love where we just went with that, but I do want to back it up a tiny bit and go back to your books. If you could quickly just oh share. My gosh, yeah. yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want to gloss that over. I want to talk about how awesome it is. And I just have you share a little bit of what those two books are. Again, I love where yeah. we just went with that, but I don't want to disregard the fact that we were talking about your awesome books. So let's share a little Thank bit more so about much. those. Of course. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you about, well, the college entrepreneur. So I told you most like a little ways how I wrote it and why I wrote it is I just felt like there was a disconnect between, um, what was happening and being taught in college classrooms and what, um, I thought the, the world or like a, an entrepreneur could learn. But I also found ways to do that. And so I kind of talk about how I use my university's resources and reputation and people to build um, a a business, a brand, 
um, before I graduated with, with that. And that was a good book. It was a good idea. But the real book that made a big difference for me was The Story Engine. And this is my... Um, this was my second book and it's been a very, very successful book. Um, and I, it's all about kind of content marketing. It's about, it's a, it actually starts with my story of starting to work at WP Curb, um, and trying to figure out how to, um, be successful in that position. Um, and then it kind of, I described the system that I built while working at that startup. Um, and it's all about, again, being, creating scalable, systems so that you can tell your story um, consistently and powerfully um, and really connect with the audience that needs to hear it. And some of the things that really made a big difference for this book for me is one of the things is um, at the bottom of each chapter, uh, for example, if I'm talking about like what makes a great content marketing strategy, at the bottom of the chapter, I say, hey, I've got a free template available at the storyengine.co slash resources. So if you want to check that out, um, like it's, it's free as part of the book. And so the mm-hmm. books have been selling well on Amazon, but I've also been able to keep the price relatively low for the Kindle book, at least. Um, and it's turned Amazon into a traffic source for my website because people will buy the books. Ah. And since the, at least the Kindle version isn't very expensive, it always stays high on the bestsellers list because it's an easy buy. And then I capture an email um, in the long run. And so I've gone from an email list of zero in May of, uh, dang it, was it May of 2017 <laughs> when I released this book? Yeah, I think so. May of 2017 that the story engine came out. Um, and now I've, I've grown my list to about 5,000 with this book. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and on top of that, like, so another cool thing that happened, um, from this is, you know, I, I had written this book, um, but I didn't really have my own blog since leaving the startup. And so I started creating content on the story engine.co, the, the, the website that I purchased to have my books page on. Um, and so I started creating content and started building more stuff for people to come and see. Um, which has evolved into a podcast, which has evolved into a course. I started seeing what people were downloading, um, the resources that people thought were the most valuable in the book, and then building little courses around those resources to help people um, succeed with those. And, um, yeah, I've created, uh, and best of all, um, I've created this community of people that, will listen to me and uh, and also they love to come to different webinars. So if somebody I know has a really cool product they want to sell, that might be useful to my audience, then I can um, have them present uh, a webinar or something. And so I become uh, an affiliate, which uh, all came from the foundation of writing a good book. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much the the real life changing um, story that's happened in the book. I make uh, I make a, a an okay amount of money from the book, not like life changing royalties, <laughs> but uh, but it's from the extra things that happen, and it's because people see me as more authoritative and more trustworthy and more 
Um, it's strange just the effect that writing a book can have. But again, yeah. um, it's surprising how easy uh, it's just, you know, it's having a plan and knowing what to write. And then it's showing up and writing, you know, a couple hundred words every day. Try to do it first thing in the morning and just be consistent with it. And it doesn't take that long. Awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we'll be able to get into storytelling today, which I wish we could because I know that is like your thing. So maybe we'll have to have another conversation. But before we wrap it up here, I love asking everyone this question, and that is, what is your favorite failure? So something at the time felt like a failure, felt like a setback, but once you're past it, now here today, you realize you needed that to happen, or you can see the benefit or the good that came of it. Can you think of anything? Absolutely. Um, about a year and a half ago, well, um, there's been a lot of things in like the last five years that I've kind of been struggling. There's like weird, like joint pain and, um, fatigue and just weird kind of health stuff happening that I didn't really understand, but didn't feel like just getting older, you know, to mm -hmm. me. And I found out that I was diagnosed with a, uh, it was an autoimmune disease, uh, the thyroid. Um, and the first couple of weeks was that I heard about that, um, I was pretty bummed and it, it felt like a big failure. Like my body had betrayed me mm. and I was, I was pretty angry and didn't understand, um, why that had happened to me or, um, you know, what to do about it. And, uh, <clears throat> but, um, a couple of months later, I ended up meeting a doctor who specialized in that and oh. when I was talking to her after studying a lot about my health and combining it with some of the things I know about marketing and storytelling I started to realize that I could be really valuable um, to my doctor in a very unique way and to many other doctors who are um, helping people uh, with gut health, um, with alternative medicine, functional medicine, people who, uh, um, I think they're solving really big problems and they, they made a big impact for me. Um, and so what turned out to be, you know, this, this, uh, real or like, you know, this pain has taught me a lot about myself. It's taught me to value my health. It's taught me to find, uh, it's taught me it's like shown me a group of people that I can help with my skills in a very unique and powerful way. And I think that's one of the most important things out there is, you know, you really want to identify who you can add a lot of value to. And uh, because of my experience, I can add a lot of value to these people and help other people who are suffering in similar ways that I have. And usually when you have kind of a, like a, a chronic condition or an autoimmune condition. There's like a lot of weird disconnected symptoms and you don't feel, you're not feeling bad enough that you need to go to a hospital or anything, but you're not feeling good by any means. Mm -hmm. And I'm helping people who were suffering and confused like I was, uh, find that. Mm -hmm. And so that's the big failure. That's amazing that it was able to turn around like that and turn into something that can then help other people. I love that. Um, okay, so 
finishing it out here, if you could tell yourself back when you heard that Tropical MBA podcast and the wheel started turning in your mind about all of this, if you could, knowing what you know now, give that version of you like one piece of solid advice going into this, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him? Do anything. Really, like, just, um, I think a lot of people, I in particular, was sitting there waiting to, like, have the perfect business idea before I did anything. I was like, I've got to make sure that I do the right thing before mm-hmm. I do this. And that is not a good way. That's, you'll stay in that zone forever. Where instead, you know, after a while, I was like, okay, well, I'll make plaidpants.org. And I know that this isn't going to be, you know, my Facebook, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm going to learn a few things. And I learned a few things, and then I built on that, and I reassessed what I liked and what I wanted, and then I tried again. And I, you know, you you kind of mess up, and then you like, you learn, and then you reassess and recalibrate and try a new thing. And I've just done that many, many, many times, and it's just the same process over and over. And so I guess, like, start doing anything, and don't be afraid to fail, and fail, and then, like, look at it and be like, oh, okay, well... I failed because I really don't care that much about mm. whatever, or that's not really my core skill set, or um, I don't really resonate with these kind of people. And so you learn a little bit and you grow and you continue on. But failing and messing up and getting things wrong, we're kind of taught that that should be that that's wrong or that's not good. Um, and that's maybe a result of our school system because we have these grades. Um, where if you're wrong, you get a lower grade. But if you're wrong in the real world, that just means you've, you've learned a lesson and you've gotten a result. And you can, you're not necessarily like a failure or a bad person if you try and start a project and it doesn't turn out the way you want it or, um, you know, it's, uh, God forbid it's a failure because it can be valuable and powerful. So just get started, get doing things, get on Fiverr, get a freelance gig. Um, I promise there's any, anybody listening can find something to do on Fiverr and just make a dollar or something and be like, yes, I made a dollar online Mm -hmm. and then try something else. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So I loved our conversation. We talked about so many great things. We could probably keep going for hours and hours, but is there any last thing that you really wanted to mention that we haven't gotten to, or do you feel good about our conversation? Like I said, there's so much more we could keep going into, but got to cut it off here for today. But is there anything else that you really wanted to get out there? Um, I would love to uh, maybe just uh, promote or like share an interview that I did recently with this guy named Dr. Chris Zaino. I think what I, what I want to tie this in is like, there's a tremendous amount There's much more mindset, skillfulness in your mindset and in your outlook and how you see your problems and the challenges that you're facing. That's the big challenge, not necessarily the technical skills in, in this journey. At at least that's what, that's, I deeply believe that. And, uh, this guy, Chris Zaino, um, I just did a video interview with him up in Park City and he had the most incredible story in his life of, um, uh, being wanting to be a superhero and like actually becoming a bodybuilder because of it, where 
working his way up to be Mr. Universe, but been suffering from, you know, some health issues and having to figure that out and almost, almost losing his mind. But anyway, I won't, I won't give the whole thing away, but he gives you such a good perspective on how to take responsibility for yourself and, and set your mindset right that I would, I, I think if you want to go deeper on this, you should, you should check out that. Okay. And where do we find that interview? That can be at thestoryengine.co and it'll be with Dr. Chris Zeno and I'll make sure to send you a link. Perfect. Um, yeah. We'll have all the, the links in the show notes, where to find Kyle yeah. all over the internet and buy his things and look at his content. Of course, <laughs> it's all going to be there. Sounds good. Okay. All right, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. New episodes go live every single Wednesday. The best way to never miss an episode is to hit subscribe or follow wherever you are listening. You can follow the show on Instagram at Wi-Fi Work Ethic and find an archive of all past episodes at themillennialmarketplace.com. If you love this episode and you know of someone whose entrepreneurial story should be shared or a topic you want me to talk about, please send them my way. It is my passion to get this message into as many ears as possible. And if you liked what you heard today, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and share this with your people. It truly means a lot. Thank you again for sticking all the way to the end of this episode. Until next time, stay humble and hustle hard, my friends. 